Hey, P&W Fungo Banter fans, Eric Sorensen here with another episode of your Pacific Northwest Fungo Banter podcast. I'm still in Ellensburg, Washington here at Big Country Studios. Excited for another episode to bring your way. Today we are joined by a good friend of ours. He was our coach at Central Washington University while Kelly and I were playing there. The director of team travel and clubhouse operations of the San Francisco Giants, Coach Abe Silvestri. Gosh, we're so excited he was able to join us and, and be a part of our podcast today and join the Fungo Banter podcast family a lot of fun diving into what professional baseball is like you know get your players to listen to this one so they can realize there's more than just being a pro playing professional baseball that you can get into pro ball and if you're a good person do things the right way but abe has a, has a lot of fun we get a lot of good banter here back and forth and uh you know what here just listen for yourself after you're done please subscribe rate and review uh let everybody know about the podcast hit us up on facebook Pacific Northwest Fungo Banter. Get on Twitter at P- or Fungo Banter PNW and spread the good word. We, we sure appreciate it. Uh, you know what? Without further ado, here's Abe. Hey, Fungo Banter fans, we're back for another episode with this week's guest. Super excited to have him on. Good friend of ours, Abe Silvestri, the director of team travel and clubhouse oper- operations for the San Francisco Giants. Coach, welcome to the podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Hey, we're we're super excited that you were able to come on with us. First question right away, what's your favorite fungo? Um, I actually went and grabbed it because I forgot that I, I still had it. Um, but uh, Dave Johnson, you guys know Dave Johnson? Mm-hmm. Former uh, Euphrata, uh head coach. He used to be the winningest head coach in Washington. I don't know if he still is, but um, sort of the day I asked him if I could uh, take over the, the TBI camps, um, can't remember if I stole this from him and then asked him for forgiveness later or if he just gave it to me. But I don't think uh, I don't think I've ever hit a hit a ball with it. But um, I don't keep a lot of things, but I've, I've held on to that. So I don't know what brand it is. But it used to be Dave Johnson, so that's perfect. Is that cherry or oak? I don't know, man. I have no idea. It's it's uh, it's baby wood. That's all <laughs> it is. Oh, that's great. Well, coach, talk us through your path to where you are. You know, uh, along the way, I'm really excited about where you started out because we got to see Abe's starting career here. I'll let you talk about that. But uh, you know, and, yeah. and then talk about each step along the way and what you uh, what each stop you took away from it to lead you where you're at now. Gotcha. Um, I can't do years and I can't even do uh, how long I was anywhere. Cause it, it just, it's all sort of blended together. But um, uh, I had a uh, opportunity uh, when I tried to go finish school at um, central in Ellensburg. Um, my former high school coach introduced me to the uh, head coach at Kittitas, which I had no idea where that was. <laughs> And I remember thinking, I'm not driving an hour every day to go coach some podunk high school. And it turns out they were like literally on the other side of the fence. So I went out there and uh, country first time, man, I've told you this before, but first time showing up to that place and balls getting peppered off the roof of the school. And I remember calling my dad last night and I said, 
yeah, it's, you know, it, it's a small place. They, Babe Ruth is on that team. He's left-handed. <laughs> and, uh, and I remember looking at you hit and thinking, cause I'd never really coached up till that point. And I remember thinking, man, could I throw BP to that guy? You know? Uh, cause from a distance, you look like you might just snap a guy over your knee if you can't throw a strike. So I, I definitely got excited uh, watching you hit that there might be baseball um, out there for me to be a part of. And yeah, coached the middle school team at Kittitas. Um, spent a couple years, I think, as a varsity assistant with Merle um, Watkins, um, which was a lot of fun. Um, and then um, I think the following year, um, I jumped over to Ellensburg High School. I was an assistant there for maybe a year or two. And along the way, just coaching various summer teams. Um, grew up playing summer ball and just enjoyed coaching it. Um, got involved with Anderson Hay summer ball over there. Kelly coached with me one year. Um, and then, uh, you know, along the way, built a relationship with Desi Story, who was the head coach, uh, still is, I think, right? Still the, still the head coach. Yep. Um, at Central Washington University. Um, his son was coming up as well through Ellensburg, so Desi was always at, at the games as a dad. Um, and we always hit it off pretty well. Um, he, was a, he was a fun guy to talk to. Um, and uh, I think, honestly, one summer night after a doubleheader or something, uh, walking back out to the parking lot, and I'm pretty sure Desi just looked over at me and just said, you want to come out this fall? And uh, I said, man, I... I probably couldn't even crack 80 right now, but I'll give it a shot. He was, he was just asking me to volunteer coach because <laughs> at that point I still thought I had it, which I didn't. Um, so I said, yeah. And, uh, showed up that fall as a, you know, volunteer making nothing. We didn't have camps. We didn't have, um, we didn't, I mean, no discount to, to Desi. We just didn't have a lot. We had no budget. We, you know, we had no swag, uh, you know, if somebody would have told me later on I'd have to help recruit against a, a school like Oregon, I mean, I, I would have just ran and hid because we, we literally had nothing. I mean, we used to tape our baseballs um, just to get through a round of BP. Um, but, I, but I was lucky enough to spend um, a few years there, um, coach some awesome kids from all over the state, all over the Northwest, Um was getting my teaching degree during that. And then student taught and realized I didn't want to teach anymore. Um, and was able to convince the uh, president at central to create a grad assistant program for baseball. Um, so that I could get a master's degree paid for and still coach. Um, so I started making the big money. I made eight grand that year, uh, which was huge. Well, meanwhile, my, my wife was working like three jobs. Um, <laughs> which was good. I mean, like you look back on, on the fondest and, um, I got my mess. Uh, sorry. Nope. Am I rambling? I'm going to start rambling. I'm taking a trip down memory lane here. Um, <laughs> got my master's in athletic administration, which the, with the goal there is to, uh, become a, uh, athletic director. At least that was my goal. Um, I knew I didn't want to teach, but I'd rather work in sports. And, uh, probably the day before I, um, I think they called it like, defend your thesis or something. Um, I got a call from uh, Rick Unruh, who used to be the AD at Ellensburg, and said, hey, I want to introduce you to Mark Flateau, who's the superintendent at Clayelm High School, which was on the other side of the fence. Um, they're they're going to have an AD job open next year. 
And so uh, went out there, sat with Flotel for a couple hours, and uh, got the job as, a, as an AD, uh, which was really cool because, like, that was my goal, get my master's. And, and honestly, in that moment, I remember thinking, like, this is it. I did it. And uh, when you talk about making some serious money, I doubled what I was making at Central. So we were set for a while making 16 grand um, at Clay Elm, putting in a lot of hours though, man, I tell you a lot of hours. Um, first, first kid comes along the way, turns out 16 grand doesn't go too far. Um, meanwhile, my former junior college coach becomes a head coach at Washington state, Donnie Marbit. Um, and, and fortunately we'd stayed in touch throughout all this. So he'd seen that I'd coached, had some admin in my background and said, you know, a good job, for you would be uh, a director of baseball ops. And so I daydreamed about that for a while, still kind of thinking um, the high school AD road would be the one I'd take ultimately. Uh, and then one day after a couple of years at Clay Elm, Donnie makes it official, have a second kid. The day after he's born, we moved to Pullman um, where I was the ops guy, which was, which was awesome getting to be a part of a Pac-12 program. Um, and then I think it was about a year and a half there, um, got a call from the Giants about a, a job that was uh, going to be opening. Um, they got my name through a couple of sources, trying to build a pool of people and um, flew down there. In fact, I just found the picture on my computer the other day. I, I remember being in the front office uh, at, uh, it was AT&T Park, it's Oracle Park now, but um, I was in the front off uh, while waiting for my turn to interview and I texted my wife and I just said, um, man, someday we can, you know, I can tell the boys that I interviewed at AT&T Park because that's literally all I thought it was. You know, and they just won their third World Series. So, I mean, the Giants were a big deal. My dad grew up in San Francisco. Um, the, the guy that picked me up at the airport was wearing his uh, his 2012 ring. I mean, it was just surreal. It was It was unreal getting to be in the game my whole life, but finally getting to just show up to a, a big, big ballpark. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And then they, they told me I got it, which again, just mind blowing all through this and wife's pregnant again. We move again. Um, yeah. Fast forward, got promoted, um, about, uh, three, four months ago to my current role. Um, yeah, it's just, it's been wild, man. It's been nonstop. Um, I've had a, I've had a couple opportunities to, to jump ship and go um, work for uh, other organizations, and they've been incredible experiences just to go uh, interview. And um, But uh, it feels good to finally just say, you know what, like, I, I think I'm good for a while. You know, at least I'm good within uh, the business I work, or, you know, the company I work for. Yeah. Sorry. That's a lot. I haven't have, I don't think I've spilled it out like that and ever. So is that a wrap that we're done? No, not even close. Not even, not even close. That's good. You, you talk about that struggle, man. And, and we have so many coaches on here that, that talk about, you know, where they've started and, and where they're at now. And, and a lot of them with, with big time jobs and how much do you think just kind of dealing with that, low income and kids and working and, and 
moving back and forth. I mean, has, is that, you feel like that's helped you or prepared you now for a, a pretty fast environment where things are kind of all over the place? You know, now? I don't know if the moving around has helped prepare me for anything. I think that the hustle has prepared me for everything, you know, being, you know, being in those positions where, yeah, you're not making any money and you're, you know, you're wondering if something's going to pay off. But um, I think what you learn to do, the way you get creative in those environments is what ultimately is going to, uh, you know, make or break you. I just, you know, like I said, at central, we had no camp. Well, you know, Hey, if we want to make any money, we got to host a camp. Well, how do we host the camp when we're going up against the UW and, and see how we're going up against Washington state. We're going against all the JUCOs. Well, that's when you, uh, you have to dig deep into your creativity. And it, but the problem is, um, is that I, I don't think guys have as much success when they're 100% fueled by, uh, the potential income in those situations. I think, I think that, um, if you take a little more energy and put it into your reputation, than you do, uh, how much money you're going to make at the end of the day. I think you'll find that the, you'll, there's more return on the investment into yourself than there is into, uh, the dollar. And I think we got really creative, uh, at central. I mean, I remember, I remember debating with Tanner Swanson on what font to use on a flyer that I think we snail mailed out to every high school coach in the state. You know, we hacked into the database. We found, you know, like, but the font we knew couldn't look like it came from a school with no money because we're going up against, you know, these other schools who have font that looks fast. That looks like it's modern and it's got energy and you know we're not going to use papyrus or times new roman on a damn campfire we can't do it and i mean tanner was with me on that but but something as simple as that i to this day i'm still doing i just sent out a uh we use a, a program called team wars i said to send out a message to our entire team today um about a zoom call that we had this afternoon and i remember debating in my own head at like 2 a.m. last night about which font to put at the top. Like, who's going to notice? Probably nobody. But you know what? That font's going to represent me in that situation. It's going to represent our organization. Um, and I refuse to have something associated with us or my name that's lacking in being current, you know? Anyway. Segue pretty nice here. Um, let's talk about the people you've been around now in, in pref professional sports for over five years and just maybe talk about what, what kind of separates those people um, that, that you've been around in, in a bunch of different avenues and maybe talk to the person listening today that's considered a, a, a career in professional sports and, and maybe some type of things that, that they might not know or some things that they will, will incur if, if they go down that path. Well, my first, I'll tell you what, uh, feel silly giving advice to anybody but one thing that i have learned um is that you never know who your next boss is going to be ever and especially in a day and age where professional sports and particularly baseball is um is ran by guys that you know they might they might not look like the guys that we grew up seeing on tv uh when they would flash to the press box um but you, you never know who's going to walk through those doors. And I, uh, I've been really, really fortunate to have had interactions with every one of my bosses before I even applied to work for them, which is, which is crazy. And not everybody's, um, 
you know, going to run into those, uh, those kind of moments, but, um, man, it's, it might sound old fashioned, but just showing everybody a certain level of respect, uh, in this game or in, in sports, um, because you never know, you know, you're going to come face to face with everybody at some point. And if you're not where you want to be yet, it's pleasing that you might be working for somebody for a while. The qualities that I've noticed, you know, from middle school, every level in between, I, I, I think. Um, All right, we're back. I got to apologize. I had some technical difficulties there, but uh, let's pick up where my farm internet apparently is terrible. I apologize, but I got to look up the nickname, right? Big country. So you're talking about your boss. You never know who your boss is going to be. Right now, I've got a few a few bosses. Um, uh, at the very, very, very top is uh, is Farhan Zaidi, who uh, was previously the GM with the Dodgers. The Dodgers would come into San Francisco, obviously, three times a year. So, you know, 15 times over the last five years, I had a plus playoffs. I had to uh, take care of um, the Dodgers. Um, Scott Harris is our GM. Um, younger younger guy might be the youngest GM in baseball. I'm not sure. Uh, was formerly with the Cubs. He would always make that trip to San Francisco cause he was born. He was, uh, raised in the Bay area. So he liked to make that trip. And then Gabe Kapler, obviously, um, who came through as a manager with the Phillies, um, at any point, at any time, despite our love hate relationship with the Dodgers, despite the fact that we had to host the Cubs, uh, clinch, uh, in 16 and, um, you know, all that, we're going to just treat everybody the same and, and, and everybody's going to feel like they're in the show at all times has, has really, uh, at least at the, at the big league level, um, ha, has been a blessing. Uh, and thank God we have that mentality because all those guys end up coming over to, to take over our organization. Um, again, that's sort of a, uh, the latest, oh, you never know who your boss is going to be, but I had the same run-ins with Desi Story, um, Merle Watkins, uh, Donnie Marbot. I played for him. I mean, let me tell you, I was not uh, exactly a coach's best friend playing, um, but I stuck with him. You know, I stuck with him. And, and uh, so anyway, sometimes it's not it's easier to say than do um, to show that level of respect with everybody. But I am telling you, it, it, it will pay off. And it doesn't even mean you're going to work in sports. You just might one of your one of your kids at your coach and his dad is, you know, own some company and you fall on hard times and, and you need something. And he always liked your work ethic as a coach and shit coronavirus 2.0 hits. And now you need something. I mean, you just never know who you're going to have to lean on, uh, you know, if, and when baseball doesn't pan out. So anyway. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, you, that's so true. You just never, there's this line of respect for everybody that you work with, you know, and then even to the point, so I always agree with everything they say. But you're exactly right because you you just never know. So talk us through the last five years. You know, being in the MLB clubhouse, you've observed a lot. You know, players and coaches and how they prepare throughout their long 162 game season. So just talk us through that and some of your roles uh, in being a part of that and and helping the guys out and making sure that they're ready to go. You know, every guy has a different um, quirk or or it's you know it's habitual or whatever you want to call it, but um, it's it's incredible to watch. It's incredible to um, to try and make sure that uh, you're you're not the reason that that they fall out of their routine. I mean, even though you know it's funny in five years, uh, 
you know, we never wanted the visiting team to win, but yet we were paid uh, to take care of them. So you, you can go two ways there. You can either, uh, you know, shrug them off and, and, and turn the TV on and sit in your office and watch the game, or you can make sure that you get to know the league uh, better than anybody. And I mean, that was my goal. I mean, everything from, you know, when, when Clayton Kershaw starts um, from the minute he shows up to that ballpark, uh, you know, he doesn't have to even look at me. I mean, he, you know, we just know his routine and Hey, if he gets shelled out there on the mound, that's between him and the mound, you know, but we're, but, but our job really was to roll off the red carpet. So uh, how do they get through those that long of a season? I think it's, they, they stick with just like a hitter does. It's over three. He shouldn't change what he does from the on deck circle to, to the plate. Um, and these guys are the same way. Um, I've always just thought it was incredible. You look at, you look at the aces around the league and um, you know, just take uh, Max Scherzer, Kirsch, Bum and Granky. You know, four very different, you know, personalities, four incredibly different pregame routines, uh, post-day routines. Um, but yet, you know, when they're on that mound, they're like a whole lot in common is uh is when they're delivering on TV. Um, other than that, man, everybody is just so unique. It's it's incredible. I found that actually to be the most fascinating thing you know, meet and work with everybody player the league currently you know for the time they show up to the yard or um what they eat you know it's it's pretty cool it gives you hope that there's not one way to do it you know we're only dealing with 20 games it's not 162 colleges running up to about 50 you know plus but you know what ways could coaches you know use the tools and resources we have today to help mentally and physically prepare our players well that's a good question it's probably why I'm not coaching anymore. Um, I think that anytime, um, anytime you can get your, and it doesn't matter what, I mean, I'm trying to get my eight year old and, and, uh, and his little brother to do, I mean, coach themselves. Like, and my biggest fear with, with youth or amateur baseball is that they're so, they, you know, I don't, I don't like, I don't like when people, all oh, baseball is just a numbers game. I mean, numbers have always been in the game. It's just, there's better tools and there's smarter people involved now. But my biggest fear would be that you've got high school coaches who look to major league baseball for direction or advice or, or motivation. And they, they hear it and they read the books and they watch the videos. And all of a sudden they try to translate this um, sort of statistical gamble to their high school team. But in reality, uh, every guy playing at the big league level, um, you know, they, they they grew a passion for the game, not because they were told where to position themselves at shortstop. And we are going to completely wipe out uh, any future coaches if uh, high school coaches all of a sudden decide that they're going to implement, you know, statistics into every single maneuver that's made in the game. I think to really, you know, get your shortstop to, to pick up tendencies himself, get your, get your shorts. There's a book called men at work written by George F. Will. And uh, he focused on four things, hitting, pitching, coaching, and uh, defense. And he just picked one guy for each of those four. LaRusso was his manager. Uh, Ripken was his defense. Gwen was a hitter and Hershiser was the, was the pitcher. It was written obviously late eighties, but the, the, the chapter on Ripken about the things he would do, to try and get just maybe a little bit of a cheat step 
because you got to remember Cal Ripken, um, you know, we know him for playing consecutive games, but you compare him to today's shortstop, like he might not even make the team, you know, not a rocket strapped to his body for an arm, you know, that batting stance changed every other game. You know, I don't know what his foot speed was, but I, I can't imagine it was, it was stellar compared to, you know, say Javi Baez or something like that. So the little things that he had to do, you know, a guy would hit a double, he'd walk up to him and say, hey, was that a breaking ball you hit? Because it doesn't look like it's moving. Uh, he doesn't really care. He just wants to know next time he looks in and sees a breaking ball, his pitcher doesn't have a shit working today, so he's going to cheat a little to his right. You know, stuff like that, you know, would would peek in for every pitch just to, to shade. I think if we are telling our shortstop at the high school level where to position, I think we're just – we're not doing the game a lot of service um, – you might as well just make it a video game. You know, we, we, we st- the humans are still playing the game and humans need instincts. They can't just be told uh, where a guy's going to hit it. That That's just, you know, I'm just trying to imagine if I was still fortunate enough to be coaching a, a youth team every day, I think the emphasis would be on that, man, this is a really fun game if you're a dirtbag. You know, this is a really fun game if you just like to go outside and, and, and throw the ball off the wall. Um, because look at the Latin American players. They're taking, I mean, in 10 years, it's going to be 50% of the league is Latin. And why? You know, if you're asking yourself why, then, you're, then you just got better as a, as a, as a high school baseball coach. That, that's, you know, that's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, I got an eight-year-old son myself, and I just want him to enjoy the game and love it, you know. Yeah, and we, yeah. We go in the backyard, and I'm kind of the big believer in the old Nolan Ryan philosophy, throw hard, hit hard. You know, and I just yeah, tell them yeah. as hard as you can, you know, and hit yeah. as hard as you can. And we'll worry about the details later. But, you know, exactly. we're doing footwork and hand placement correctly. But that's the idea. If we, we do pound these numbers and we talk about the launch angle and all those other things that baseball is adding, which is, you know, don't get me wrong. I don't think anything of that stuff. It's exciting to watch. We have to understand it's an entertainment. But uh, you're right. We just pound, 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 pound. And then to the point where kids are going at 13. I don't want to do the game anymore. I'm done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's no Dominican There's no Dominican kid at 13 saying, like, eh, I'm burned out. <laughs> like, you know. In all the years that you've been around baseball and you've seen so many different levels of things, you know, what are some of the most important characteristics that you've seen from managers observing your time that would separate them from the other guys? You know, the guys that are having success, what are some of their traits and qualities that they're portraying? Well, that's a good question. And, and I and I've and I have thought many times I knew the answer to that question, only to be proven wrong. Um, um, you know, I think that a, I think that a coach or or you know a manager more recently for me personally um, who has uh, you know the ability to be uh, real with his players, approachable. Um, you know, doesn't necessarily just like to hear himself talk, but actually, like, you can feel the genuine care come off of him. Um, you know, for some reason, those guys just seem to, uh, you know, I don't know what their win-loss record is, but I know that the, club, you know, the clubhouse environment, the locker room environment, practice environment, always just seems to have a little bit more investment in it from the players. And I think it just trickles down from whoever's, up top, um, you know, uh, Terry Francona, um, I, I, I got to 
I got to be around, um, uh, sorry, I'm blanking. It was after his, uh, so it was with the Indians. They did an interleague with us. And uh, I don't know if this is, you know, I don't know if like this is something people know about uh, Tito or not, but I thought it was the coolest thing every day. Um, he uh, plays, um, I think it's like backgammon or something in his office. And, you know, he's just got shit everywhere. And, uh, and, he, and he always picks. I mean, it looked like, you know, just three random players. Or maybe they've got it on a schedule or something. Um, and I think they have a rule that's like, uh, I think they have one rule. You can't talk baseball. Um, and, and, and this is like two, three hours before first pitch, you know. Um, and, he, and he's, you know, his feet are up on the desk and, and you know, there's, you know, BS and going on in there. And uh, I just remember thinking like, man, what a cool way to get to know your players, especially with the, the, the way uh, rosters today or like high school baseball, 20 games. What do you get? 10 practices, 30. You get a month to get to know a, a group of, of kids who could make or break your career as a coach like you're not going to get to know them by just being a dictator you know you're not going to get to know them by just barking orders throwing a practice plan up and uh and looking good uh you know on on instagram like like take the time to invest into your players um get to know them today we had a zoom call today uh with our like i said our entire team is on there um and 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 Kapler was on there and uh stopped somebody like mid sentence and just says like hey what what books are those you got in your bat you know one of the our player I don't even remember who the player was but like you know he was sitting in front of a book like Cap like literally wanted to know like you know what do you like what's a guy like you reading you know and you know it's not like boy that O2 pitch you know we wanted you to bury it and you you hung it and the guy like man it's such a this game is just like if you're in it, you live it. Like there's going to be a tomorrow. You might as well get to know the humans that are involved in it. Um, that, that quality, Joe Madden is amazing at doing that, not just with his players, but just with every, anybody. Um, I remember one time we were like five minutes from the, the first pitch. It was like a seven Oh five game. And it was like 7 PM and uh, everybody had left. And uh, he, he runs back to my office um, he wanted to show me this uh, sticker that he had made. It, uh, it was like Muhammad Ali, like a pop art type thing. And then explained to me the process of making the art and, and, and then gave me the sticker. Cause I, you know, I got a wall that just people can just put stickers on. I used to my old job, like, I don't know. Did that help him win the game that night? Probably not. Did Joe care? Probably not. Am I going to love him for the rest of my life because of little things like that? Like, absolutely. Like, those are the, you know, I just think, I think that kind of stuff really separates. And, hey, look, Tito and Joe Madden, like, would you call them successful managers? Like, I would, you know. Um, so it can't hurt, I guess is what I'm saying. What about their daily daily routine as a manager? You hit on some of that stuff, just playing games and whatnot, but – how, how about that preparation side that they put into getting ready for a game? Um, I, I know upper management and, and there's different people involved in the game than it was in the past, but how do they kind of compile that information and make that unique for them? And I know everyone's a little different. Every organization's a little bit different. Um, but, but what's kind of that day in the life look like for them when they're really looking at baseball specific material? Well, first off, they've got, 
an incredible army of uh, incredibly intelligent people who work for them and around them and provide them with, like you said, like each guy's kind of specific to probably, you know, what they want to look at. Um, yeah, the days of the Bruce Bochy um, gut instinct, as sad as it is, um, you know, there's not as much value in Bochy's gut going to the pen in the, in the eighth or ninth to win a championship um, be, because of the amount of information. So, yeah, each coach uh, sort of laying out that criteria for what they want, it's presented to them. You know, I've, I've seen everything from, um, you know, when the manager shows up, he's, you know, we see the back, the, the front end of it, which is uh, some of the analytics guys showing up. And, you know, like if you ever want to know what time the manager is going to get there, all you got to do is ask a stats guy or a video guy. Hey, what time's your manager getting here? You'll be like 1135 uh, because they know what they've got to get done. And, you know, either late on his desk by the time he walks in or um, I'm seeing more and more managers, um, you know, and I think a lot of it is because we're getting more and more college guys involved, but set, creating more of a educational environment. So it's not just a manager behind closed doors going through a spreadsheet. I mean, it's, they're like classroom sessions. Maybe it's with uh, the starting pitcher and a, and a veteran catcher, the bullpen coach and the pitching coach and the manager. Um, and, you know, we're at least personally, like never put myself in a situation where I'm trying to gain information to help out the team I work for. And if I did, it certainly didn't work. Uh, you know, Giants have been pretty shitty the last five years, but you know, getting to be a fly on the wall, uh, during some of those has, it's just been amazing. I mean, it's been really, I, it's been really quite to tell my dad, like, of course, like the one time in my life where I'm exposed to the most incredible people with the most incredible information is, you know, the one time in my life where I'm not coaching, you know, but it's probably meant to be that way because, uh, but, um, yeah, I, th I think managers have a routine. Of course, you know, of course they do. Cap, Cap has definitely got a routine, um, relies heavily on his coaching staff and our, and our, our numbers guys, um, cause they don't want to be caught off guard, you know? Um, but man, they are surrounded by, that's one thing high school coaches just, unfortunately, um, men like country, you, you guys are like, blessed if you get a good assistant coach and, and just to even keep him for a uh, consecutive years, you're just, you know, if you could pay him a hundred thousand, you would, you know, you can't, but um, you think about a big league manager having guys with Ivy league degrees who um, are at your beck and call for numbers. You've got a coaching staff who's got um, tenure and been through wars and stuff. You know, it's like sometimes, you know, Sometimes I feel like a manager just needs to show up and, and, and uh, you know, handle the press when needed and know how to keep the environment under control because um, luckily uh, for their lifespan, there's just a lot of smart people doing a lot of good things to help them win a game. What's up, Banner fans? This is Tanner Swanson from the New York Yankees. You were listening to the PNW Fungo Banter podcast. Go Yanks. Well, we're going to roll into our seventh inning stretch portion of the podcast. Just a kind of a time, you know, we're, we're just telling stories and, and between innings talking right now. And, and the first thing I want to talk about, let's talk about some donuts there. There, Abe. Big League yeah. Donuts. Uh, who's the highest demand player or club and when it comes to pastries? Uh, they're show nuts. 
by the way. They're not big league donuts. They're Sorry. show nuts. Uh, we'll, um, we'll send that to the editing department. We apologize. Yeah, show nuts. Um, <laughs> that's okay. Just don't do it again. Absolutely. Show nuts. Um, uh, who's uh, who's the most demanding? Um, oh man. Well, you know, when the collective bargaining agreement hit in this nutritional thing, you know, like donuts became like alcohol during prohibition. You know, like very like hush hush. Um, Hey, you got a guy? Like, yeah, I got a guy. What, what time do you want him by? Seven. Like, how many are we talking? I'm talking a dozen? Like, no, man, get three dozen. But, you know, put two in my locker. and Don't don't let so-and-so see. And if anybody asks, like, tell them that, that guy asked. I mean, it, it's a very underground operation. We got, oh, yeah, Sports Illustrated. It's kind of a big deal for a minute. <laughs> of all, by the way, by the way, Kelly, uh, thanks for bringing that up. Um, after, you know, babbling about my entire, uh, you know, just like, you know, all this time served in this game and, and trying to make a living in sports, um, the one damn thing I feel like I got the most credit for, uh, thanks to Sports Illustrated, was our ability to um, present the donut status of the clubhouse. So, I mean, I mean, I don't bake them. <laughs> I eat them, but yeah, it's kind of, kind of funny. Um, so yeah, donuts, donuts definitely are a thing, you know, day games. Um, I'm trying to think, I, I know there's like a team or two where it's like religious to, to, to make sure that we have them in specific kinds. Um, our NL West teams, we got pretty comfortable with, so, you know, they didn't beat around the bush. It was like, Hey, but man, we've had so many good stories come out of donuts. I mean, we put a lot of time, but we put a lot of time in those five years into everything we did. Like everything we did had to have like a status chart, had to have, you know, like I said, the right font, the way we presented it. We had a countdown above every um, urinal. We had a countdown sheet, count, countdown all kinds of things, like countdown when Bryce Harper is no longer a Philly, like countdown the next time the Dodgers support staff shows up at 7 a.m. for a 7 p.m. game, you know, like inside joke type shit and everybody would get a kick out of it. Um, but, you know, that's kind of what made the job fun is like I just looked at that clubhouse as this, you know, open book. And, you know, that every player in baseball is going to come through. Like, what would you want to look at? Like, they know they're playing baseball. We don't need to put memorabilia and shit all over the walls. Like, so we tried to have a lot of fun with it. So now you got a predecessor. you got someone in your shoes. Yeah. I didn't mention it earlier, but two-time, two-time reigning visitor clubhouse manager of the year. We're on the, yeah. lucky to have on the phone now. But so you have yeah. that day game this spring, summer. Hopefully, we're all, all hoping. You know, are you are you comfortable knowing that you're going to be able to get a donut on that day game when you arrive to the park this year? Uh, when I'm on the road, or when we're at home? When you're at home. Yeah, I feel like it's probably 90% confidence level on getting a donut. Yeah. The, the, the people know. Like, hey, he's coming. Where's his donut? You know. It's just waiting when you get there. Yeah. I mean, I want it, like, on my desk, pink frosting, or, you know, t- double the sprinkles. So Big cup of black coffee. Absolutely. So what's the MVP of donuts in the big leagues? 
And that's a good question. I mean, maple bars seem to be pretty standard operation mm-hmm. to run out of. That's yeah. Was there a was there a bet on that? No, but there should have been. Uh, there, you know what? There's some good. There's some really good donut pranks too. Like you, you know, you fill up the inside with mustard. Oh, oof. Um, <laughs> if you're strategic about it. Um, yeah, there's some. You can you can have a lot of fun with donuts. Uh, there's a relief pitcher with the uh, Dodgers. God, he throws hard. Skinny guy too. I can't think. He used to he used to come out of the pen for the Red Sox. Um, where's Glad? Joe Kelly. His birthday was in San Francisco this year when the Dodgers came through, and his uh, his wife asked where where we go for donuts, and I told her I can't tell you guys because um, they've already gotten famous because of me. But so I kind of told him I'd slow it down. But they made her a, they made a donut for her that she gave to her her husband. I mean, this thing was the size of a tractor tire. It was unbelievable. Like you could have just jumped on it and watched a movie. I just nibbled on it. It was unreal. Um, oh man. Yeah, I mean that was the MVP for me. But yeah, maple bars are pretty standard. You talk about pranks. Let's let's dabble into pranks a little bit. I'm, I'm talk about keeping things light in a clubhouse. I imagine that's how things happen over the course of a year. But talk about some of those good pranks that you've seen. Whether whether you were behind it or not, we can leave that to be uh, to be questioned by the audience. But what are some of those good pranks that you've seen happen and whether it's a rookie or, you know, costume day, I remember you sending me your costume day on your rookie, your rookie year, some of that stuff that, that you enjoy being a part of. Um, yeah. Watching veterans um, try to teach a lesson, I guess. Um, uh, Ian Desmond with the Rockies uh, once um, he asked if we had a, a, a screw gun which we did and we 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 screwed the guy's uh shoes into his locker like through the sole i don't remember why but i just remember thinking like god this is i can't believe i get paid that that was a good one just as sometimes which we, we don't like because uh you know my my staff is you know unfortunately the ones who spend like an hour looking for something only to find out like they hit it from them um locker placement in the big leagues is a is a huge uh thing i mean it's up there with almost every i mean food like what we serve for food is probably the only thing that outweighs where a guy's locker is and um so like my counterpart over those five years would be the home clubhouse manager because they travel with the team obviously and um you know that they're not going to tell you like, okay, put, you know, uh, you know, Austin Barnes and, and, and then Kike Hernandez. And then, you know, they, they don't tell you that. So um, they, they could, if you ask, but like, I don't want to bug those guys a lot of times. So, you know, you have to come up with your own method for where guys go. And my formula was position players numerically. If you had three or more years service time, you got an empty locker in between you and the next guy. Um, and then it went p- pitchers, same formula um and it always were i mean it, i can count on the you know maybe like two or three times where a player actually said like hey what why is he getting empty or you know hey i always used to be there like um so the mets came through um i think two years ago and their clubhouse guy good guy kevin kirst um 
been been around just been around the block. Their plane landed at SFO. We're at the ballpark. They go to the hotel, but their stuff comes to us. He calls when they landed. He said, um, "Hey, where do you got the Grom?" And uh, and he knows our clubhouse pretty well, so I explained to him. It was you know back by the video room. You know, there's an empty between him and like Matts or whatever. Hey, put Degrom like in between two rookies, like no empty. And I think it's okay. Let's well, wherever they had just come from, like the clubhouse guys there, like they weren't pranking him. They just put him like in a shitty spot. So he's like, yeah, it, yeah like it, like just mess with him. I'm like, okay, are you like anybody gonna be here tomorrow when he shows up? Like, if I remember. Put him more unpacked the team, probably went to bed at like, you know, 3 a.m. Gotta get the place ready to rock by like 9 a.m. the next day. Sure as shit. Chase DeGrom's like the first guy in. Like, like wasn't even pitching that day. Like, maybe he pitched the day before or something. But I just remember him walking through the front door like, oh, shit, why? Like, really? Because nobody's around to think it's funny. He's just going to look at me like. And, uh, yeah, he was not. Um, I'm trying to think of a, a way to say this uh, where I don't get in trouble. He wasn't happy. I'll say that. Nobody's around uh, to wear it. And then uh, Kevin, their equipment guy, comes in maybe like 15 minutes later. And uh, DeGrom's like, can you believe this? Like, you know, points at his locker. And Kevin's like, hey, it's his clubhouse. And just walks <laughs> away. Um, took me two years to get, like, back on the good. Like, I was kissing DeGrom's ass for two years just because I didn't want him to hate me. You know what <laughs> I mean? I even told him, too. Like, hey, I think somebody's trying to mess with you. Like, in Major League, like, hey, I think someone's trying to. Like, he just wasn't hearing it. But, um yeah, so I do enjoy being a part of like screwing guys' shoes into the, you know, but messing with a guy when there's nobody else around to laugh at it is not good in our world. Good stuff. Any uh, any stories about about poppets and uh, personal trainers or anything like that? Maybe maybe a hometown team, you know, uh, Seattle area, you know, something that, that may have happened uh, happened in that realm there. You know, I've just met, you know, I've met so many amazing, cool people that I got to watch growing up as a kid. Never met Griff. Always wanted to. Um, yeah. Got nothing on the Mariners. Ichiro, cool dude. Super cool dude. Probably, probably, probably one of the coolest guys uh, in the game, for sure. Hey, tell us a, maybe another good story of a guy that's had a terrible day off the field but had a great success that night, you know, and we run into any of those. Yeah, I mean, you think about life, you know, we, we do this in the high school <laughs> a lot, you know, you know, starting pictures, girlfriend breaks up with them yeah. or asks the girl out to prom. She says, no, uh, you see them warming up and you're going, you're not looking good. Either. Yeah. You start talking and they go coach and girlfriend broke up with me it's like yeah great so especially for a league game against Kittitas up at their place with the wind blowing in your face so that's uh yeah and they're probably a, a lot more alike than we would assume yeah. um 
God, I'm trying to think like high school kid tells you, bro. I mean, I'm just thinking like, I mean, can you even take the approach like, hey, nobody cares? I mean, because that like my gut, like my gut immediately goes to like, see that empire over there? He don't care. Like, see those, you, you know, like see your team, like nobody cares, mm-hmm. you know? But again, to, to them, just like to your eight-year-old, like whatever's in front of their face is the most important thing in the world right now and trying to get their head, uh, you know, away from that. But yeah, I, you know, um, I mean, we all, you know, all, any one of us uh, ha- has a bad day and is still somehow expected to put a face on or, um, you know, bury it, um, you know, removing distractions for these guys, at, at least at this level, is a big part of sort of uh, what I do, what um, our support staff does, because there's a lot of distractions, whether you're 18 or you're 28 and making, you know, 10 million a year, or you need to borrow 20 bucks from your dad. Like there's distractions. Like it just doesn't matter. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of, uh, of one in particular, um, you know, things that affect these guys on a, on a daily basis might be, um, you know, the cleats that they ordered didn't show up like they thought they would now, like what the hell are they supposed to do? Um, God forbid they wear one of the 10 other pairs they got but um i i i one in particular that that stands out before jake arietta was like jake arietta at least for me because i don't i don't i don't know half the guys that used to come through like i would just have to get to know them and then find out they were like good or not good or you know whatever but the first time the cubs came through my first year um in 15 jake arietta um didn't know his name, like knew nothing about him, just knew that he was uh, a relief guy who was numerically like over here and was pretty yoked. Um, and by the way, like rule of thumb, like don't talk to the starting pitcher. Like the starting pitcher that day, like has needs something, like he'll come to you, but like you're not going to go up to him like, hey, how's the wife and kids? Um, so I just happened to be like walking by and introducing myself to a few guys and introduced myself to, to Jake and uh, – He's talking to me uh, about, you know, cold pressed juice and and how like it's a thing and it's going to be a big thing. And he drinks it on game days um, and uh, and that he, he lives in Austin, Texas, and and, and maybe he's going to open up his own, his own juice shop after playing. And I'm just kind of like, mm, yeah, yeah, juice is good. You know, he's like, do you, can you get it? Like, do you got a guy that could go like you guys could have a place? sent a kid all over the city looking for like the right, you know, cause back then I, it wasn't like on every corner. I mean, you had to find like, and uh, man, we were batting a thousand up to that point as far as just delivering on what guys needed. And for whatever reason, like we just could not find. And, uh, and again, I'm like, God, we are spending a lot of time on this, you know, bullpen guy. Like anyway, he, I'm pretty sure he didn't lose a game for a year after that like we all know who jake was like he got a different locker the next time they came through but i didn't realize he was the starting pitcher until you know once the team leaves like we'll put the game on you know around the clubhouse i'm like oh shit that's juice guy that's juice guy like he's pissed like juice guy like here's what's going to happen to juice guy he's going to and we talked about routines like that was part of his routine uh, he's going to get, you know, knocked out in the second inning and come up here and, you know, put a hole through my chest. Like that's all there is to it. I mean, I think I was rooting for, you know, juice guy <laughs> and, uh, and he shoved it up, uh, our ass. Um, 
and and again, he went on. I think he went on to win the Cy Young or something that year. I mean, he just went on a tear. Um, but that was a good moment for me to realize that uh, it might not be the end of the world if we don't deliver uh, for a guy to, to sort of support his his routine. I know that doesn't he's going to you know pay you a lot of money. The other one's going to take a lot of money. Pretty important, but um, yeah, just little stuff like that. Got one final question, Abe. The, I think at the uh, major league level, there's a lot of losing involved. You know, I think there's teams that get in the playoffs a couple couple games over 500 from time to time. You know, so over the course of the year, you're going to lose a lot of games. You're going to go through some bad stretches, stuff like that. How how do you see players deal or, and, and teams deal with that losing side of things? You know, how do they how do they handle having a an outing where they give up eight runs and two innings or guys in a 0 for 10 slump, you, you make the air that costs the game. You strike out with bases loaded in the ninth, the moment that you've always prepared for. How do guys flip that switch and teams flip that switch to, to be ready to go for the next day? we talked about it being the best part about baseball is that there's a new day. And, you know, how do you see that happen kind of in, in your works? Again, going back to the manager, it starts with him. Um, you know, tra- going on the road, like being around Boach after a loss, like doesn't matter if we're 20 games out or five games up or it's bottom of the ninth or we lose by 20, like Boach is just miserable to be around. Um, and then on the, and then on the polar opposite. And again, we're talking about two very successful managers. So I'm not sure there's a right or wrong, but like, you know, Joe Madden's the guy that um, wants the music turned back up and is walking around in his underwear with a glass of wine, reminding everybody that there's another day tomorrow. So you definitely see a variety of approaches. One common um, theme is like, you know, guys are, you know, showers are a lot faster after, after a, an ugly loss. Um, um, and, and I think they just, they know that like the faster they get out of that environment, the better the shitty part for, for the pros at least is like, no matter what, they're forced to talk to the media. So a lot of times the cool down period has to just be rapid um, so so that they can keep their composure. Um, I'll tell you an interesting um, one that, you know, the, the Giants, you know, may or may not implement, but Kapler has, has raised the point, which kind of shows you, you know, his thought process on, on so many things is, you know, after after a win, like, what do you do? In the in, in the in the big leagues, like it's it's pretty standard that you line up within the clubhouse doors, and those guys come up from off the field. Uh, it's high fives, and some teams have you know you know every team's got like something else that they do to go with it. But but you know it's high fives, and uh, and it's loose, and and guys are talking, and you know Cap has brought up the point like you know like why why are we only doing that after a win? Like there's a lot of things to celebrate you know, even in a loss. And it's not like, like you said, a guy makes an error to lose a game and you're right at the top of the stairs like, hey, great job, because you're not going to lie to him. There's no interactions after a loss, like none. Like, don't look at anybody, no music. There's no coaching going on. When in reality, like, if you know your players, you know who's approachable at any given moment. And, And even after a loss, you know, he's brought up the point like, you know, there's still opportunity for our coaches to go talk to these guys, whether it's about a good or a bad, I mean, shit, you could, you could go out and throw a complete game and your team wins three to two 
and and you realize at least with the data that MLB can provide that like there was 14 balls squared up squared up that went right to guys well hey you put your, a CG you're going to show up a little later tomorrow and you're just going to roll right into your next start but you didn't fix anything to avoid that barrel and so I think it just goes both ways that there's so many coachable and moments that can you know be celebrated win or lose that I think you're going to start to see that trend a little bit more in Major League Baseball um, which is again just totally goes back to my head coach slash manager theory of getting to know your players like from the core you know versus well I I read here that after a loss, it's it's important. To, like bullshit. You, you don't like. How do you know? We don't know that. Like, get to know your like, like the kid that you know is going through a hard time at home. Like, that kid might need it more than anybody after a win or a loss, especially if he makes that error. Or um, the kid that's on you know floating on cloud nine and and is ten for his last ten. Um, you know, find something to coach that kid up on or, or celebrate, you know, what he did. But but to just, like, let it all come and go, man, you're missing a lot of good shit. You know, you're missing a lot of good, uh, you know, kids out there. Um, so, yeah, I again, I don't – I have no idea what, you know, what the answer to that question is. Like, how, how do these guys flush it so fast? I think first and foremost, like you said, Kel, like, there's another day. Um which is, you know, which is true um, to some degree. And I think to another degree, like, yeah, there's another day, but like, can we talk about today real quick? You know, but anyway. Yeah, I think, I think the, the one thing that, that I'll take away on that and, you know, continue to think about it is that when guys are at their highs and lows, you need to know how to work with them or deal with them to make them their best versions of themselves. I mean, cause there's probably going to be, you know, in that system that you laid out, there's going to be guys that don't want to talk about their statistical performance in that game, mm-hmm. win or lose, you know, mm-hmm. they're going to be a guy that, Hey, let's go over it tomorrow type of thing. And if, mm-hmm. but if you don't have that relationship to begin with, it's hard to know how that guy works best, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think you probably see it in your profession too. The things you do that if you need something from a certain person, you know the times to go there and you know the times not to go there. And all that's totally. based on relationships. You know, it is. I think the more you can communicate it, with people, the better. It totally is. And you know what you're avoiding by doing that? You're avoiding a kid leaving the ballpark thinking like, yeah, he don't give a shit about me. When in reality, he knows that you know him better than anybody and that after a game is not the right time to talk to him. And and I think and, – and, and you start to build trust like that. And, and, and now when you approach him the next day – he he's you know he's looking forward to it and and just went to bed knowing like yeah i had a shitty day but coach is gonna hit me up tomorrow um but again to your point like there's there's just i mean it's like being married right like you you, you've got to get to know each other's tendencies better than anybody else or else it's just not gonna last you know um i mean could you imagine putting that amount of time you know into your players where you know their their habits and you know what what uh, their home life looks like and and uh, I mean I have to know our entire team like like this this is a text guy like I just know better than to bug them I know I know 
Evan Longoria uh, is going to, is like, no matter where he's at, like he would just rather FaceTime, which is always fun to see like what he's doing, you know, cause you can live vicariously through it for 30 seconds, but like, it doesn't stop. It's not like you got to know this shit at high school and then they go out into the real world. Like, man, you're training them to build relationships for whatever they do so that when they become bosses, they're not just training robots. Like they're, they believe in those healthy relationships. Um, yeah, it's all relative. It's all connected. Um, and, and it's like privilege that we get to even be a part of it. I mean, look at this coronavirus. I mean, another year of this, this would be a much different podcast. Be like, who gives a shit? You're not going to see the kid anyways. You know, so you kind of, I, I hope if anything, like what, what comes of this is you've got a lot of hungry coaches out there who are dying to get back out there and interact with these, you know, they're realizing now how blessed they are uh, to be out on a freaking ball field, you know, and, and, you know, the sound of the fungo and, and uh, live and die with these kids. I mean, what, like country, like you gotta be missing it, dude. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I when I'm still out shoveling dirt or doing something on the farm at five o'clock in the afternoon, instead of being at the baseball field, that's pretty damn miserable. And I got it to see is. I got to see yeah. one of my players today, and it, I dropped something off at his house, and it, I miss hanging out with those dudes every day, man. Because that is the yep. that's the fun of it. If you don't enjoy that, what the hell are you doing? What's the point of it if you can't yep. be out there for the to build that with your players? You got to live in the moment with them. You've got to live every job I, I've I've had, and I'm only 38, so I don't want to act like I'm older, but every job I've had, I've told myself two things during those jobs. This is what I'm going to do the rest of my life, and I'm going to be the best effing person at this job. And and I actually believed that when I was at Kittitas, I remember thinking, man, when Merle retires, I'm taking this thing over. We are going to win state. I'm going to be the next Dave Johnson, but instead of afraid, it's going to be Kittitas, you know, and you know, instead of like hoping like another door opens, you just put your nose down and live in that moment. And then all of a sudden doors are just, you're like, oh shit, how long has that door been open? And it's just because you were so focused on, you know, getting the most out of whatever opportunity you have. I think, I don't know. I agree with you but, 100%. It's good. It's true. Well, Abe, that's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast with us. We really appreciate fun. you joining us. Yeah, I appreciate it. I love what you guys are doing. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm a fan now. What was I guest number, like, 26 or something? On the books. You guys must know a lot of cool people. <laughs> I mean, I'm like the, like, you guys, like, called me out of the bullpen. Like, you guys got a pretty good starting. Five-minute roster. Oh, yeah. Well, if, if you know statistical analysis, those are working at the back end of this thing or middle relief you know you, you need to pump up and things you need to reset know, get things back on track like i haven't seen a like ever like there's no nine hole hitter that gets a standing o every time he comes up like but that's fine i i mean it gives you hey you know what it gives hey but jake to... jake arietta started in the bullpen man you know and they figured out what his what his juice yeah. was and look yeah. at him you yeah. know must be nice hey we're, we're at 218 on followers on Twitter. After this is released, I, I have no doubt in my mind you took us over 250. So thank you. That'd be huge. Is there? Is there I, know, I know. We all have two eyes. We all have noses. We all totally. have 
we all totally. have feelings. I mean, I, yeah. I look at my high school guys and it's like, they're having a bad day. And I, and it's like, yeah, sometimes they break down and cry. And I, and I, yep. you're kind of like, seriously, like, come on, dude, you're 18 years old, a senior graduating here in a month, but they have so much going on that we have no idea. And yeah. they just want to, they just want to release. And I'm like, Hey, that's cool. It's a, it's a human emotion. You know, we laugh, mm-hmm. we cry. I mean, just let it out. And then after mm-hmm. they do, they look at you and you go, I'm ready to go, coach. And that's the idea is that we have to, no matter if it's high school or even down to lowly high school, college, pro, we're human beings. And we all have mm-hmm. the same struggles, the same emotions, everything the same. And then when you, we just don't have enough people that want to be honest about that. And I think what you talked about, Abe, is that it's, it's nail on the head, man. It's the gospel. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And um, it, I'll tell you, it comes full circle. Um, when, when I was uh, in middle school, maybe when, when McGuire and Sosa were doing their, their thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and the only thing we could do was like check the paper the next day because uh, it would show you projected. And I just remember every day looking at that number being over 61, just thinking to myself, like, oh, my God, like the world's going to explode like 61. But, but Mark McGuire, you know, especially for me as a kid was, I mean, he was a comic book character. Like mm-hmm. he, he wasn't even, there was nothing to me human about that man watching what he was doing on TV. Um, and, uh, and, and, and now, you know, fast forward, if somebody would have told that kid that, you know, I would be texting with him, you know, almost on a weekly basis. He's like a really cool, uh, uncle to me. Um, He's very human. It turns out he's really human. He's, it turns out he's a dad just like I am. It turns out that he gets burned out just like I do. Um, I just remember like pinching myself when I first started to get to know him when he would come through as a bench coach, thinking like, oh my God, uh, had I known, I'm, I'm glad I didn't know when I was a kid because it maybe would have sucked some of the entertainment out of it. But um, had I known at that time that that guy on TV who was doing like unworldly things, um, turns out it was just like, you know, just another guy, just like Griffey, who I've never met, but I'm sure it's just another guy. It really helps you realize that, you know, like you said, nobody is uh, beyond building a relationship with, you know, they're going to be just as interested in what you do as you are, as what they, and if they don't, then maybe they're not your guy, you know, maybe they're not somebody that you want to uh, invest time in, but um, that's helped me a lot, you know, having to, you know, I have to fake it. I have to fake it every day showing up to work sometimes. I mean, I grew up on a damn llama farm just south of Canada. Like what the hell do I know about showing up to a $2 billion organization with Buster Posey every day? Like I can't just walk in there like, Oh my God, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, hey, you know what? He's got kids too. He's got kids. Uh, he's got better hair than I do, but neither one of us can grow a beard. Uh, you know, very like, you know, he, he'll sneak in a donut, like shit. But when we see it on TV, it's like, wow, we're like, what planet did they did they create these people? Uh, um, turns out, freaking Kittitas can create it. You know what I mean? Like. It just doesn't matter. Just get the most out of it. But yeah, anyway, I appreciate you guys uh, Let me pinch hit in the eighth when we're down by 10. I do. appreciate it a lot. Well, you know, you might be number 19 episode A, but you're, you're number one in our hearts. 
So well, just right. know. I knew that I knew that coming in, country. That's why. Good. That's why my agent agreed to this. I and he was a good good uh, negotiator. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. That's right. <laughs> Kelly will be sending that one for you. So. All right, guys. Well, we'll be right back awesome. to wrap this thing up with Kelly and Jason in the bullpen. <laughs> All right, we're here in the bullpen. We're gonna close this thing out. Someone lead us off. Well, guys, I it's sure pleasure to have an Abe on today, and and uh, you know the biggest thing I think about is just the realism that we're we're you know all people, you know that you know he's in a position that a lot of us wish we were in, you know, and he's he's dealing with you know a lot of you know starstruck kind of. People and, and the thing is, is that um, guys, what I take is that we're all we're all humans, man. We're, we all got the same emotions, got the same feelings, and you know. And I really liked, um, you know, the fact that you know we, we all need encouragement, you know, no matter if it's a good day or a bad day, you know. And I think sometimes in life we think that we can only encourage those when they do good. Well, I, you know, I'm kind of on the other side of it, you know. Like, why? What can't we give? You know high fives, you know, kind of like what Kapler is, is doing, you know, and, and, and even on a loss, you know, and so, you know, I think that, you know, being real, I, uh, you know, I think it today is like, you know, we need to just continue to be real with those around us. Um, don't shorthand a guy just because he's not a big name, you know, don't, you know, say, oh yeah, with quick response through a text or a hello, you know, invest our time with each other. And, uh, I think it's in life, it's, if we do that, it, it, uh, it goes a, a long way um, because it, part of it too, you just never know who you're going to run into later on the road, down the road, you know, I mean, you may have, um, I think about with my players, you know, sometimes they get Christian, but you know, maybe one day I won't be running my own business. I'll be going to their, you know, doorstep and turning in a resume looking for a job. So I, I think, you know, what I take today is that, you know, we're all real, you know, and I think it's important for us to continue to, to strive that as coaches. Kelly, how about you go next? You want to go third? I'll go next. All right. So, you know, that's that's a great point. Um, we are the, – the one thing, many things I took from Abe and being able to play for him at Central was the statement, M-I-H, make it happen. And I think that's something that's definitely helped him along the way. And that's something that's, that made me, instead of making excuses about something, let's make it happen. You know, there, there's always a reason, the way, there's a how, and – that's something that I've always felt like, you know, when I've had that mentality about things and, and my job and everything, it's been great. And, uh, it's worked out. And like you said, baseball players are, they're, they're, they're normal people. You know, some of them are just better at playing baseball and they got a lot more, a lot more cash than some of us in our pockets. But, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I think that someone else, is, if you're listening and maybe you're not going to be a professional baseball player someday, but just know that there's other avenues for you to be in pro ball and, and it's being working hard, and like you were talking about, like he talked about, you know, you don't ever know who your boss is going to be. So quit being a dickhead to people, and 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 treat people right. If you treat people the right way, they're going to respect you, and and maybe someday down the road they might be the guy giving you the job working for for you don't for anybody. Yeah, yeah. I think there's, I think there's a lot of different avenues. I think we get caught up a lot when we're when you're younger. I remember in high school filling out the. Uh, 
the assessments of, of what career path you were going to end up in. And, and just remember thinking that there's no way that was going to happen for me or whatever it was. And, and I know Abe would be the first one to tell you that he would have no idea that, that he'd be in the position he, he is now. And, and I think you talk about the make it happen. Like that guy did a lot at central that hadn't happened before. And a lot of places that he, he went to, it's instilling new programs and new systems, unique things that, that made it better. And I think we we're in a copycat type society right now and in coaching, I guess. Um, and that's all fine. It's, it's great. It's phenomenal. Um, but to really leave an impact is to, to provide some type of unique content, um, something unique that you bring to the table that you can make your own and, and something you put your stamp on, you know, to that next boss sees what you've done in the past or, you know, little things pop up. I mean, we're talking about donuts. Like that guy got in sports illustrated for having a donut, uh, system. And, and that's really weird and, and crazy. And, but, but it's unique, it's unique. And that's what, that's what makes this, uh, this world in our country so great is that there's unique things that people create that, um, bring some joy to, to someone's life that you can put your stamp on something unique that you like. Um, yeah, I like to ask him the question just about that losing and, and how guys are handling it. And, and I think once guys reach that major league level, I would say 95%, maybe even higher, um, have all been on some type of winning team in their life, whether that was their college, their junior college, their high school, their little league team. But I know you guys and, and, and me personally, like I get a lot of different players that that haven't been on a winning team before or haven't been on a losing team before for that matter. Um, so it's, it's teaching some of those skills and of, of how to deal with the failures and the successes in, in an appropriate manner, because we know how humbling this game is um, that can bring you right back to ground zero really quick um, when you have to, to pull yourself back up. Um, and that's where the relationship stuff starts. Um, for us, it's within our team. It's those relationships being really strong there. So if a coach isn't there to, to deal with one of our 35 members to deal with a problem, our relationships are strong enough within a team that someone else is going to handle that. Um, a guy's down or a guy's riding too high potentially to, to somehow to throw a joke in there to bring him back down to zero. Like, keep in mind, buddy, like you're still one of us, you know? Um, so just having strong relationships and everything you do and every avenue that you do um, is really going to help you out. Um, at least that's what I've found that the people that have helped me out, I've always had a good relationship with. Um, and it's, it's not my vast knowledge base. There's so many more smart, smarter people than me in, in this thing. Um, but it's been, I've got to, to where I'm at just because of just knowing people um, and, and just trying to treat right in, in every way that we can. And, and I know Abe hit it on the head there a little bit. If you can find a good assistant or good people to help around you, just how much better and easier things. And, I, and I've said it before, but I'm so fortunate to have the people I have on staff that, that help me out on a day-to-day -day basis and, and are in this together for us that um, really drives this train. So, yeah, relationships, huge. Yeah, I think that you're – man, Kelly, that's good, man. I, I really think that, you know, the coaches – from, I, I mean, even when it gets down into lowly, you know, it's a fraternity 
that you're part of. And that's, you're right, you know, and, and we, you know, you guys, we've been talking about some different ideas. How do we make our fraternity stronger in the Northwest? You know, and, and I keep, I keep thinking through my head, guys, is that, you know, we're just coaches. We're not techie people. We're, we're just on doing this podcast because of this COVID thing. But, you know, you know, uh, Eric and I, you and I were talking about yesterday, um, and I don't know if Eric shared this with you, but we talked about reaching out, you know, and, and the, how far we're going with this thing. I was talking to Andy Bueller from Scorebook Lives the other night, and uh, he says, you know, you guys are doing a fantastic job. And he's just, he's like, man, you guys are probably reaching people farther than the Northwest and you don't even know that you guys are doing and encouraging just with your knowledge and your information. And I think that, Hey, that's our goal here. You know, and the thing is, is that it's building the relationships and getting to know each other. And, and uh, you know, and I, I, I have a lot of respect for both of you guys and, and being part of this is a complete honor and a blessing. And I, I just, I don't want to get too gushy and, and, uh, <laughs> but I, I just, man, it's just, I think about like just this whole, you know, we get in these patterns guys and we kind of forget what's really important. And I think I just, I appreciate you both. And I, I really appreciate our, our Northwest fraternity of coaches. And I, I appreciate every guy that's gone on here. And I mean, I, I think Abe's probably got the, the gift of, uh, of, uh, counseling there too or or uh, motivational speaker i mean just ah oh man I'm just, I'm just so pumped i gotta go out here and do some work but i'm just i'm jacked i'm ready to go but i just uh i, I just thank i thank you guys i really do I just thank you so and thank you coaches who are out there listening and, and being part of our podcast and all our listeners as well so thank you absolutely man i know it's definitely helping me get through the this time and i hope it's helping some other people out there listening Mm-hmm. and uh absolutely no appreciate you guys yeah, i think uh, jason just before, to pivot a little bit i, I think mm-hmm. reaching different people there's probably a lot of people that have listened and disagreed with a lot of what we said you know mm-hmm. and and the only yeah. way to kind of search for truth is to find things that are right and things that are wrong um right. and that's the best thing about about learning from different avenues is that mm-hmm. you really find your whole by picking apart what's right and wrong so mm-hmm just having people on listening that that can bring a unique standpoint and hopefully we can bring in a unique look at things to to motivate some people to do some things um for their walks of life absolutely i know that i've i definitely have brought ideas and talked about these things with other coaches and they they've always questioned things and maybe you shouldn't be able you can't implement that there or whatnot but you know you might not be able to implement the whole thing but there could be one little thing and and that's what i get out of it i mean Listen to a Division One pro guy talk. Do you think we're going to be able to implement some of that stuff in Kittitas at 2B school? Probably not. But I've been able to manipulate that into a new right. way. Just, just don't get set in your ways and listen to it and, and uh, dig through the data and, and find a way to get better. That's right. what I do, or try to, I guess. So. Well, fellas, thank you. That was another great episode. Uh, follow us on Facebook at Pacific Northwest Fungo Banter on Twitter at Fungo Banter PNW. Please get on iTunes, rate us, and review, and subscribe. And we're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, all the above. So check us out. Love to hear from you guys. And until next time, take care of one another, stay healthy, and let's get back to baseball. <laughs>